So we're, we're going to hop into uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, as our message. And uh, just to kind of give you like an overall synopsis of what, what we do, um, hopefully, I, I wish this wasn't unique, but it really is unique in what we're doing. We're not just trying to, to give people gifts and, and divorce the, the proclamation or the sharing of the gospel with people. Um, the second part of this is that we are very intentional that the sharing of the gospel goes through a church. When you look in the New Testament, what you're going to see is that churches plant churches, churches send money to other churches. You see Christians helping Christians. It's through the church that people are helped and loved and cared for. And so in each ministry, you, you'll see there's, there's always a commitment to the church meaning we don't want to share Christ with someone and then have nowhere for them to go or be discipled, right? That's one of the worst things you could do is just, okay, you're a Christian now, go figure it out. We want them to be able to do what you're doing right now. Come hear God's word taught, um, sing with other believers, be encouraged, uh, be a part of loving and serving each other. And so it's so intentional in what we do is that they would be connected to a church and the gospel would be preached. Uh, we want to meet felt needs, um, but those felt needs are not the greatest need. The greatest need is that they would be reconciled to a holy God and, and know that heaven can be their home through Christ, the payment of our sins. And so I hope you catch that's our overarching kind of way we do things and why we're so intentional in what we share. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll hop into 2 Corinthians 9, and then we'll get you out there to participate in the market. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your word. Uh, we just pray that you would be lifted high, loved, adored, worshipped for who you are and what you've done, that we would just take a second and see that you are a global God. You're worshipped in, in many languages. You are loved in many languages. Christ is held up in many languages, and just that we are a part of that, that global family. We thank you for that. And we just pray you would speak to us now and be very intentional uh, in what we'd have to hear, and we would come to know you more and love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Important distinction here is that we do have a church being asked to give a gift, but I want you to see verse 1 of chapter 9. Who is the gift to? This is important. It says, Now it is superfluous of me to write you uh, to you about the ministry for the saints. Right? The gift is going to Christians. This is important. He's not sending the money to non-Christians. Why is this important? Because the money is going to a church. And in that church, there's people who have needs. And they want those needs to be met. Now, that doesn't mean that it's only for the Christians. I'm sure there's ministering to non-Christians. But the church receives the gift. And then that gift gets distributed out. And here's the important part. If you miss anything, circle verses 13 and 14 and 15. It really hits it is why it says by their approval of this service, they will glorify God. So the gift is supposed to bring praise to God. And one of the cool things I can tell you, because I've been to many of these places, almost all of them, is that when we give the gift and we give, you know, to pastors, to orphans, to widows, we do not say thank you, white Christian man from America. Okay? We don't say thank LBC. Uh, what is taught and what is told is praise God that he would bring this gift. That God loves you so much that he would work in the hearts of people on the other side of the globe to give and take care of your very needs. 
Okay? So the gift acts in two ways. It's as a strengthening of the believer, that as they feel, as you've heard very hard testimonies, you can feel forgotten, like Pastor Kieran said, but why me? Does God even love me? Does anyone care? Is anyone paying attention? These gifts, no, God does love you. God hears you. And we can provide some type of tangible demonstration that God is alive and well and with you. And maybe things won't get better in this life, but in the life to come, heaven, there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more oppression, no more depression. And offer that hope. And and the gift is the tangible, physical reminder. You're loved. You're forgiven. And so the gift is important, but it is secondary to the spiritual gift of Christ. Uh, We're going to 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 3. I want you to see this. That the gift, this is a regularly taught principle in the New Testament, right? It says, now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia. So you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. So there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send you those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. So this is supposed to be common practice. He's like, hey, take some of what you prosper, take a little bit, set it aside, set it aside, set it aside, store it up. And then at such a time, I'll send someone to take that gift and deliver it to the church in Jerusalem. And he's saying to multiple churches, plural, and even a church in Galatia. And he's saying, I am so excited about this that he boasts. It says that he's zeal and stirred up, verse 2, to all the countries around, to all the cities around. Saying, hey, you're a part of helping other Christians feel loved, committed to, taken care of, given hope to. And it says there's excitement among the churches that they're all participating in this gift giving. And the gift is supposed to be an expression, look at verse 13, because of their submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ. So what is that getting at? It's saying, look, we confess gospel, good news. Christ died for our sins. Christ pays, God pays for our sins because we've been paid for the spiritual gift. That motivates us to now give an external material gift. Christ died for me. Heaven is my home. I am so grateful. God, whatever you would ask is yours. Whatever would help someone else know this, whatever would help someone be reminded of this, take it so that people say, thank you, God, for meeting my needs. Thank you, God, for showing. Because the other demonstration is you have to think in Corinth in a very cultic, polytheistic uh, city, that you're constantly offering your stuff to a deity, hoping it was enough for the deity to take care of you. This is polar opposite, where a Christian takes their own and gives and provides to someone in need without asking. So, so when a Christian is receiving benefits, either for their health or for food or for shelter, the non-Christian pagans like, how does that work? Which temple did you go to? Oh no, Jesus did this. He's done so much work. His people love him so much. They give and help us. And if we're able, ever able to give, we do it as well. Changes everything in the culture. Christians moved by the work of Christ. 
giving. Now this is where it comes. What's the attitude of it? Verse seven, do it cheerfully. They were ready. It stirred up zeal. Have a cheerful heart. Don't do it under compulsion or don't do it under exaction. Here's here's the thing. Did you hear some hard things here this morning? Some very hard things, some hard things for us to stomach, things we're not used to hearing. We're not trying to manipulate you. No one's trying to guilt you into giving. It's just simply communicating the facts of what's happening. And that through donations and giving, you can give a young kid a tangible evidence that God is real. He really sent his son to pay for their sin, that they are not alone. They're being thought of and prayed for and cared for all around the other side of the world. That there is one God and he does love them. And these gifts encourage them and they point them to an even greater truth that Christ died for their sins. And through faith by grace, they can believe and receive and be a his child. And that while this temporary world might be full of suffering and pain, they can have hope that nothing can take away what Christ has done for them. Nothing can take away that heaven will one day be their home. And so we do that cheerfully, not trying to manipulate, not trying to coerce, not trying to guilt trip. Cheerfully we do that. Say anything that would help someone in that type of pain and that type of stress, anything that would help them know and feel and, and act on the love of God, give it, give it. Now, Here's the thing, not everyone's going to be able to give. That's okay. Uh, I don't have time to get to this passage, but 2 Corinthians 8 even gets into, hey, you give out of the abundance. It's not to put you to the deficit. If it puts you to the deficit, don't worry about it, but go out there and meet these people. How can you pray for them? Write some things down. Let them know that there's people on the other side of the globe praying for them, loving them, thinking about them, that, that they can put faces in their time of need and stress. They can put faces to those times saying, there's people that love me. There's God's children, God's children everywhere, praising God, loving him, doing what I'm doing. They're not alone in it. Okay? And then last, you know, what's the result? What's the purpose? It's verse 13, that God would be glorified. The whole point of this is that we would say, look at how good God is. He's taking care of his children and another nation far away, under persecution, living in inhumane situations, being oppressed and hurt. God takes care of them through us. What a good God. He gets glory. Then on the other end, they receive the gift. They're like, wow, God cares so much. God provides. God takes care of. And the ultimate reminder is if God gives good gifts in the material, how much greater is the spiritual that he's given us Christ. So the whole point of this is we go out through the market and we'll collect you know, money and we'll come back and we'll report it. And say so we go, wow, look at how God is taking care of his people. Look at how Christians are being faithful in hard circumstances, continuing to share and love and minister until the goodness and the greatness of God, he is so glorious. So Paul's getting at what a beautiful God. May he be glorified in this. That's how he ends it in first, verse 15. He says, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. We want to give thanks to God for Jesus. Amen?
One of the ways we can do that is through giving. Let's pray. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for the inexpressible gift of Jesus. We thank you uh, that he lived a life that we could not, that he died on the cross and paid for our sins, something we could never do. We would never be a good enough offering. Our prayer is that we would look at the cross, behold Christ, and be forever grateful for that payment of sin. That any suffering we have in this life, we would know is temporary, momentary. That we would always look to the future of heaven as this glorious hope of no sin, no shame, no pain, no oppression. And that we would worship you and praise you for that. We would praise you that you're working all around the world in the darkest, deepest, most oppressed environments giving hope to those who need it, loving those who think they're unlovable. Our prayer is that we would celebrate you for all the work that you do, and that we get the great privilege of being your child. May we hold that dear and sing loud, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.